Zinmar is a 23-year-old mom living in a remote village in Myanmar. When we first met her, she was nine months pregnant and very excited to welcome her second child into the world. Zinmar's first language is Burmese, so we asked if we could summarize her story for you in English. My parents worry that the delivery will be difficult. I'm not worried. But Zinmar's pregnancy did not have a happy ending. Please note the following content is sensitive in nature and may be upsetting to some listeners. There is no labor pain, but just back pain. The back pain started from 9 a.m. until the baby was born at 9 p.m. Nothing went wrong, and my baby boy was born easily. I was so happy. The first day, the baby took my breast milk, but after that, he was sleeping all the time and wouldn't eat. We tried to feed him honey. After three days, the baby's skin turned yellow and started to convulse. The water levels were too low to get to a hospital. The neighbors, my mom, and my dad came to help me. Others said the baby could not be cured, so I let him be and just watched him. It lasted for about seven hours, and then, at 4 a.m., my baby died. Zinmar's story is heartbreaking. But unfortunately, it's not an anomaly. According to the World Health Organization, approximately 830 women die from pregnancy or childbirth-related complications around the world every day. Today, we're going to be talking about how access to quality health services and training of auxiliary midwives can quite literally save lives. I'm Abena Thomas, a public health specialist, and I'm the host of In Progress, a New World Vision Canada podcast. It's a show that connects people's stories of development from around the world with stories rooted here in Canada. We are joined by Nin Ipue, 1,000-Day Journey Project Manager in Myanmar. Nin is working with moms and babies in remote areas of Myanmar, where accessing health services is often a challenge due to poor transportation. Nin, tell us how auxiliary midwives can make a difference for moms like Zinmar. So especially uh, to focus in our project area, mm-hmm. Tabang, it, uh, it is located in Dada region. So um, during the rainy season from May to September, mm-hmm. uh, there is a heavy, heavy rain. So everywhere is flooded. So it is difficult to uh, reach to a health facility. Mm-hmm. So, and also the mothers, they also have financial limitation uh, to, you know, for the transportation charges. Mm-hmm. So, so what is the type of transportation that mothers uh, they would use, take? Uh, they use the boat. So they would yes. have to use a boat yes, they, they to, get to, to, the the, yes, to get wow. to the health facility? Wow. health facility. Okay. And yes. so when it's flooded, it's very difficult yes, to... Yes, difficult to... So you've described the challenges mm-hmm. of yes. accessing health care. So yes. what are some of the solutions yes. that the project or Ministry of Health is trying yes. to work through to increase access to, yes. to health care for moms? Yes. So Enrich is now working closely with Township Health Department mm-hmm. uh, to uh, recruit and train auxiliary midwives from Hard to Reach area mm-hmm. uh, to cover those uh, villages when um, midwives have difficult they have difficulty to reach in those areas. So they're training auxiliary midwives. Mm-hmm. What is the role of that midwife? What does their job description look like? Uh, their job is to uh, give assistance to midwife mm-hmm. in delivery of baby uh, and also to organize a awareness session mm-hmm. and also to uh, participate in uh, group monitoring and promotion section mm-hmm. and immunization section. Mm-hmm. And also like uh, environmental hygiene, mm-hmm. 
and other, uh, you know, alicase detection mm -hmm. and referral of patient. So referral yeah, of patients. patients. So yeah. if they're referring patients, does that mean that they're located at the facility or in the village? They are located in the village. Okay, so they're yes. based in the village, yes. working with moms and, referring, and them. referring them. Okay, so how many auxiliary midwives has the project trained so far? Uh, it is around 70 auxiliary midwives have been trained. Okay, and how long is the training? Uh, three months for practical and uh, another three months for Sorry, three months for theory, mm -hmm. and another three months for practical. Okay, so yes. six months six in months. total. So during practical training, they send uh, auxiliary midwife to health facility and to work together with midwife at sub-center or some uh, send to rural health center to work together with health assistant in delivering of baby. Okay, so on our podcast today, we heard the story of Zenmar. Mm -hmm. So in, in her story, there was challenge in terms of accessing mm -hmm. health care. Mm -hmm. How do you think um, that a trained auxiliary midwife could have supported Zenmar and other mothers in her situation? So if you can train auxiliary midwife, it can help Zenmar to make a uh, good decision mm -hmm. uh, to reach to the health facility mm -hmm. to receive uh, and, and you need full times and you need a care. Mm -hmm. So trained auxiliary midwives would have been able to help Simmar with care even after the baby was born, uh, recognizing danger signs and supporting her with access to care? Uh, so that is, is the point. Mm -hmm. So if you can train the auxiliary midwife, it, will be change, it can change the situation. Worldwide, health systems need to be strong enough to intervene when moms and new babies are faced with unpredictable challenges. I caught up with Abigail, a new Canadian mom who experienced firsthand the importance of reliable health services. Thanks so much. I really, it's exciting to hear all the things that you're interested in. You said you have a 15-month-old, which is yeah. amazing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a mom? What has stood out for you being a new mom? The, for, the beginning was very hard. Mm -hmm. um, I found pregnancy extremely empowering and I felt so beautiful and I had a very low risk pregnancy. Um, I ended up being induced though. I was a week late with my daughter right. and I had to have an emergency C-section, which was something that I hadn't even thought about. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought C-sections were for high risk and I was just very naive, I think. And I was just not prepared for that recovery process and um that whole delivery was very scary um I don't think if you're if you just have no idea what a c-section entails it's just very it's major surgery mm -hmm. it's very overwhelming mm -hmm. um the reason why is because her heart actually stopped and ended up being her umbilical cord it was like wrapped all the way around her body four times her mm -hmm. neck and such a scary situation. So lucky. Um, she was delivered at Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto. You know, one of the best hospitals in the country. Could not have been luckier. Could not be more thankful for that. Um, but yeah, those first six weeks, um, I totally wish people talked about it more. <laughs> it is very hard. Those decisions that need to be made and the support system that you need, the whether that's information from the facility or, or your family support systems, how do you feel that um, 
that experience of actually accessing healthcare and the information and support you received in that way um, impacted this experience for you or even your your family support and engagement? What what role did that play for you in in this whole process? Um, I, I'm thinking about that mm. a lot actually when I first found out about this podcast and mm-hmm. when I made the decision to be on it. And I think for the past like year and a bit, I've, it's been so hard to process the whole thing, but mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm so lucky or I'm so blessed. And then I kind of realized I'm not really any of those things. Um, I'm just kind of thankful because my whole entire spirit experience is pretty much based on privilege, like just trying to compare, <laughs> um, to someone else and, um, someone else in the world probably wouldn't have had the same outcome you know I have right. I have a beautiful healthy little girl um who knows what like who knows what where we would be if we were living somewhere else um mm-hmm. yeah it, it it a thousand percent it takes a community like that's one thing um that I realized like I had to go see lactation specialists mm-hmm. to make sure that we had that proper latch mm-hmm. and that she was getting enough food she lost so much weight so quickly I'm um, just recovering from C-section, just having, I think I called like the nurse helpline a couple of times. Right. Like, you have no idea what's going on with your body and your hormones. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't have family close to us because we moved when right. the baby was six weeks old. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that made me so much more aware of how, how, how much you need sub- support systems in your life. You need to have uh, like a solid plan of who's going to help you and, um, yeah, having that proper health care and having access to health care, it's, I mean, we live, we just live in the country. We don't live in the city anymore, but just the difference from living in the country versus the city, it's so different. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're very fortunate in Canada. Um, yeah. <laughs> health is a fundamental right, but as seen in Zinmar's case, barriers such as transportation, lack of knowledge, and limited decision-making power can prevent families from getting the care they need. Even within Canada, new Canadians, Indigenous communities, and other marginalized groups experience unequal access to health services. Zinmar from Myanmar, Abigail from Canada, and really all moms everywhere deserve access to quality health systems. Thanks for listening. In Progress is a podcast by World Vision Canada, funded by Global Affairs Canada, and featuring stories from all around the world. I'm your host, Abena Thomas. Thanks for listening.